Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Pray Hard Player YouTube channel and podcast. Welcome to Parsha at the Barber. We're live. We're just waiting for Ilya to get back. But what uh, I want to just uh, talk about some of the, uh, the content we're going to talk about today. So talking about Parsha's Baalescha, there's a lot of stuff we're going to talk about that has to do with the Monero. I, mean, I think actually pretty much the entire show is about the Monero and then some details about the Monero are going to take us into some other things, but it's only about the Monero. <laughs> as far as the Parsha goes, it's only the Monero we're going to be talking about because there's a lot of really interesting material about that. Um, yeah, so... I just, I just want to... I want to preface... Uh, what I'm going to say is that you know there's there's a lot of a lot of what's going to happen here. There I don't I'm, I don't always come with conclusive things. A lot of it is just a discussion. So, and then there's my own personal beliefs and and, and the opinions that I follow. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the, the shape of the Monero, and uh, like the title that you saw, if you saw it, um, the 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 Ark of Titus, right, and what the Monero there. You know, what's going on there is that really a, a, a valid representation of what the Monero actually looked like. Um, so let me get out my trusty notebook. Once again, I have to stand up. Please forgive me. Okay, so um, let's start a little bit with um, with something from the Rebbe. First of all, once again, thank you for everyone who's here. Um, please bear. With this is a very new thing we're doing. I went live a few times, but it was just, uh, it was just in my living room, and I wasn't uh, bringing a lot of sources. This is a very new software that I'm dealing with, so maybe for the next few weeks it's going to be a little rocky. But um, I promise you guys it's going to get better, and the some of this stuff is really really interesting. So um, let's talk about the Behalescha name of the parashas Behalescha because it talks about. Aaron going up to the Monero. When you go up to the Monero, there's a lot of discussion and, and really beautiful things just about the word Baha'aleisha. Um, right? It's about going up, uh, rising, right? In general, mitzvahs is. is uh, whenever in holiness we always go higher, we never go lower. Um, but I just want to talk about something. That uh, is actually later on in the parsha, that uh, is from the Rebbe. So it says that you should uh, it says that you should um, blow the trumpets. Hashem told Moshe when to blow the trumpets, how to blow the trumpets, and. Uh, There's there's two different uh, types of, of blowing the trumpets, right? It says when it comes to war, so it talks about the enemy, Hatsar Hatsarascha. And the Rebbe says this is talking about the Yetzir Hara. And the Hari Aisim is, is a language of a crying out. How do you do that? So how do you do that? Um it, 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 you have to do that with bittel. You have to kind of nullify yourself, right? You cry. Who, who do you cry out to? Cry out to Hashem. You have to know that uh, Hashem is in charge. And when you do that, when you cry out to Hashem with with a uh, submission to Hashem, so then you'll be saved. You'll be able to win the you know win this Muhammad Seitzer, 
win the war against the, the Yitzhak. But then, there's also an idea of... Uh, oh, then there's also a, uh, a blowing of the trumpets when it comes to the carbonized Tzibur, when it comes to the carbonized, the, the offerings in the Beis HaMikdash, the, the sacrifice, with the, right, the carbonized were brought in the Beis HaMikdash, uh, or the Mishkan, and that is the when it was um, the carbon of the entire congregation, when it was a communal offering. And then also there's an idea of blowing the trumpets. So the Rebbe is saying that also after winning this, uh, winning the Muhammad Yitzhah, winning the war against Yitzhahara, the spiritual war, a person also still has to have the same bitl, that, that idea of submission, shouldn't, you know, become arrogant. Um, and how do you and how do you do that? How do you practice that submission? That's through davening, right? The karbanis is davening. The the, the and mikdash, our davening represents the karbanis and the mikdash. And the fact that it's it's done by the karbanis tzibur, by the sacrifices of the communal offerings, that shows the importance of davening with the minyan. Just uh, something interesting from from the rabbi. Um, and something else also interesting that uh, we're talk, talking about, the, the, the Parsha talks about the man. This is before we get into the meat and potatoes. I'm just waiting for Ilya. But um, the, the, uh, the Rebbe talk says that the man was bread from the heavens. Right? It was bread from the heavens, and therefore it had no, there was no waste. Normally when a person eats food, there's waste. The person has to go to the bathroom. The body can't absorb everything. Some things are, are harmful and can, you know, the body has to, in order for it not to get, be harm, harm, harm the body, the body has to excrete it. But the man was not that. The man was 100% good. And it didn't just fall for the tzaddikim, it also fell for the rishon. Even people who were, quote-unquote, wicked, they also, I mean, they, they were wicked. The Torah calls them, calls them wicked. But um, even they were even they were they, they got the month even they got this this heavenly food and the Rebbe says that this is a, a uh, the man is a remez for Primus Atera for the for Hasidus for learning the deeper and, and more hidden the the inner teachings of Torah right there's the Chitzonius and there's the, the Primus and the Rebbe says that the man is rep- represents this and it's a lesson just like Everybody can have this, right? So certain things it says if Torah is learned, let's say if, if a person is going to learn certain parts of Torah, most parts of Torah, with arrogance, or improperly, I don't know what that was, or improperly. So what happens? The person, um, the person, uh, sorry, I got distracted with that. The person who, who's learning the Torah, it could actually cause harm. Because even though the Torah is uh, holy and heavenly, but it, it, it can be problematic and cause harm to someone who's not receiving it properly. However, because the because Torah is, is considered like man, and man fell for the Rishayim, and there was no waste, there was no harm, so therefore, that shows that when anybody, even quote-unquote nowadays, no one really is wicked, right? everyone is in, in, in a status if they're not doing the right things, they're tinik shenishva. Uh, but any, even people who are quote-unquote wicked, they too can learn Pneum Satera. And not only that, but it will have a positive effect on them. And it will actually bring them back to, to, uh, to holiness. Um, now, let's get into the uh, meat and potatoes. Oh, this is very, very nice. So the Bnei Sachar says that Parashas Baaleischa is the 36th Parashas Baaleischa is the 36th Parsha in the Torah. If you count from Barashas, oh, it's Baaleischa, it's number 36. And he brings, it's, it's very, very uh, beautiful to see that it's, it's, it's for a lot of reasons that it's 36. Number one, in the Torah, 
the word Ur, Menorah, and Ner is mentioned 36 times. It's, it's counting all those words. Um, and it's also some words, let's say, would say Ma'orais. Uh, if it says the word light in plural, it counts that as two. So, but it, 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 it adds up to 36. And also on Hanukkah, we light 36 candles. And the reason for that, um, the reason why we light, is because it represents the, the, uh, the hidden light of the Torah. Um, which, uh, hidden light of the Torah. That's, and that's what uh, Adam Harishan, right before the sin, he had... It, it, it provided light for him, this special light, which is more light than we, than we you know, it's, it's a special light, it's not a regular light. That was what other Mauritian had for 36 hours. And, and the Menorah, we're going to see actually, how the Menorah represents Torah. And that's why actually, because by Hanukkah, the Yidin were, the Xerah the, the, the was, they wanted to abolish the Torah, so therefore the miracle happen, happened with the Menorah that represents the Torah. But so you see that that uh, it's not for nothing. It's a thirty-six parasha in the Torah. Actually, the number thirty-six um, and uh, light are synonymous. And the Torah ta- and, and this parasha speaks about uh, starts with lighting the menorah. <clears throat> now, here's another hint that the Torah is menorah, that 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 the menorah is a Hint is a, is a symbol for the Torah. Akedah Sitzchok says, it's a sefer, um, that the first Pasuk of Bereshis, um has seven letters. Uh, has seven words. Right? Bereshis bar the es ha-shamayim es ha-aretz. Right? So, <clears throat> and that is, uh, that, that is corresponding to the seven branches of the Menorah. Right? You had six coming out. And one in the middle, that's seven branches. And uh, now, if you look at Shemais, the first Pasuk of Shemais has 11. And that is the number of the knobs. The knobs on the Menorah were, were uh, seven. Uh, sorry, were 11. And in Vayikra, there's, there's nine. So in the first, uh, nine words in the first Pasuk. And that is corresponding to the flowers. And if you look in Bamidbar, there are 17, and that is uh, the height of the menorah. The height, uh, the height of the menorah was 17 tfachim, 17 handbreadths, and a tiny bit more, but it was, it was, uh, it was pretty much 17, and that, that, is, that symbolizes the height. And then lastly, in Sefer Devarim, the first Pasuk has 22, and that is the number of all the cups, uh, um, all the goblets, that were on the menorah. So you see again a really beautiful, um, beautiful correlation to menorah and, and Terra. Okay, <clears throat> now, now I really want Ilya to come back. Um, <laughs> Okay. Okay, so let's talk. We're going to say something uh, really nice about the uh, Minchas Elazar. Um, also about his Menorah. So the Minchas Elazar's grandmother the wife of the of the Rebbe then, of the of the, the wife of the Munkach Rebbe, um, and that was I think Reb Shloima of Munkach. So his he, basically his his grandson was the Minchas Elazar, who was uh, also one of the Munkach Rebbes, and she asked that the precious gems from her. Uh, from her 
kerchief. She had a, a very beautiful kerchief for a Shabbos Yantif that would cover her hair. Um, so her head kerchief. He, she asked that it be put on his menorah. And he was, I think, uh, 17 years old at the time when she asked. And um, <clears throat> it's very interesting that uh, it's it said that ner, the, the, the numerical value of the word ner, which is candle or, 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 or light, is, um, is the same numerical value as if as a head covering, as a, as a, as a head cloth, a head kerchief. And um, <clears throat> so it's synonymous with the mitzvah of lighting candles that women do. And, and uh, that's why it says that, you know, even let's say people who are not so careful always to cover their hair, you know, most, most religious people, I mean, definitely in, in my neck of the woods, uh, you know, women cover their hair all the time pretty much. But um, even people who are not so careful, everyone's very careful to wear a, a headkerchief when they're lighting candles. And so it's, it's very much part of the mitzvah of lighting the candles for Shabbos. And what she did there was she wanted, I guess, the stones to be there so that he should daven and, you know, uh, that, that his davening should be like a merit for her. Obviously, he was, he was a very special and holy person. But also what happened there was that she actually accomplished that the two mitzvahs of lighting candles for Shabbos and the mitzvah of lighting Hanukkah candles, and it's actually spoken about in, by, by our Chachamim, about the the says something haragil the mitzvah the the mitzvah I think it says beautiful things about someone who had who's always lighting Shabbos candles lighting candles of mitzvah which is Shabbos candles hey we started because I uh, which is but we didn't get into the meat yet I'll just finish come 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 don't worry so the, the, yeah, the Shabbos candles and the um, uh, Hanukkah and Shabbos candles, right? So those two things she accomplished to, to blend those two mitzvahs together by doing that. All right, ready to do the intro? Of course. All right. So. You want to eat first? Uh, no, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna start eating afterwards because I had some pasta. But you can make everybody hungry on screen. No problem. <laughs> you want me to eat on screen? I I don't care. It's up to the it's up to the people. I don't even know if those are working, but we'll see. No, I don't. I don't know what's going on with it. Put it on just in case. But I have to turn on the audio here. All right. So what are we up to? Uh, we just finished talking about something about the manure, but we're we're gonna get into it. Um, let's see. Oh man. What happened? Oh, he gave you too much pizza. No, we just. <laughs> um, shout out by the way to. Um, to uh, Railroad Pizza, they just opened up a uh, second location. Mm. <laughs> one second, one second, let's get this on. It's to die for. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, that was an exagger exaggeration. Well, if you die, you can't enjoy it anymore. Mm -hmm. But, um. Yeah, my boy. <laughs> it's better than the first, than the other one? Same. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> Stop. Mm. Yeah, no, no, I have to wash everything. No, 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 not that way. I have to. I already washed there. I understand. I slice there. I didn't have no time for all that. All right, yeah, let's get into it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Prayer Play Art Podcast. This is Yassi Lolian. And this is Ilya Snapo. Right, so who, who, what? <laughs> All right, intro in one, two, three, let's go. Okay, and we're back. We are back. Okay, so we were talking about the Monero and uh, we just said a few things about the Menorah, some things from the, and then we also we also said them some things from the parsha from the Rebbe. There's still more to come. So, before we get into the Menorah of, of we talk we talk in the in as a as a building up 
how do you say, um, you know, uh, hype for the channel I, I put on the thing talking about t- the Titus and the Vatican, right? right. T- the Ark of Titus and the Menorah and that and stuff in the Vatican. But before, before that, I want to talk about a few things. So the Abu Dirham brings down, and this is brought down in Kabbalah and many, many things. I'm sure you've seen this. Um, here, I'll show you actually. So you is can it because see. I'm Sephardic, you assume? I, I've seen something. It's, be, it, it's because we're both Sephardic. <laughs> but if you look here, so I'm, I'm showing this right now. Oh, wow. Right? So over here, you've seen stuff like this, right? Where of you course. have. So th- this is what you guys are looking at. These are um, the. the um, the 60. I think it's Samach Zion. Yeah, I think it's Kapitel Samachzan. Right? And, and that's basically done in the shape of a menorah. And it says that someone who says this while looking at the menorah, and if he sees it, there's many, many, many blessings that are brought down. And it's really, really incredible. If we have time, we'll read it. Maybe a bit, little bit later. But um, the... the uh, Almost every Bukharian house you go to, they have that hung up in their living room. Yeah, but it, and it has, it has a lot of uh, Kabbalistic roots. And it's brought down, I just want to say some things that it says. For this, this parak of Tehillim is called the menorah Tehillim, like the, menorah, the, the, the mizmor of, of the menorah. Why? Why is it called mizmor ha-menorah? It says that if somebody said this, it's as if he lit the menorah in the base HaMikdash, mm-hmm. when he says this. And we say it all the time. We say it before Baruch Sha'amar. Mm-hmm. We say it by Sfira Sa'imer, and we'll talk about why soon. Um, and it's very interesting, because you'll find, apart from the first Pasuk, which is actually just an introduction, right? that's the introduction. And then the next seven Pasukim, that's the actual Mizmor. There are seven of them. That is because of the seven branches of the menorah. Right. And then how many words are there in the entire thing? There are 49. Seven times seven. 49, right. And how many, how many, uh, how many lights? One second, 49Y. I think we light. Oh no no it's four no it's forty nine when you count this is why it's forty nine when you count all of the things of the menorah, the goblets were twenty two. Okay. The flowers were nine, which now that's thirty one. Okay. The uh, knobs were eleven, okay. so now that's forty two, and then the actual lamps where you lit. On top of the on the top of the branches are another seven. Forty-two plus seven is forty-nine. So the number of of sukim and the number of words are a hint to the menorah. So therefore, it's as, when you say it, it's as if you look the menorah, and that's why they have it in the shape of the menorah. Um, and that's why, actually, by Sfirah Omar, we also say and Ginot. Why? Because there's seven psukim, which is the seven weeks, and there's forty-nine days, forty-nine words, like the forty-nine days of Sfirah Omar. That's why, incredible. Right? So you can go through the cleansing. Yeah, exactly. They said we're open. No, no, no. We're not. We're out. Okay. So um, that's just, I thought it was beautiful. And maybe later, maybe at the end, I'm going to see how much time how we're doing for time. I'll read some of this look that it says about this. Very, very beautiful stuff. Um, I'm also, there's going to be some links that I'm going to put down uh, in, the bo- in, in the bottom. Some of them, one of them I already put, another one I'm going to put about some of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, I just wanted to mention that in case I forget to mention it later. Um, just so you can go and look some stuff up yourself. Uh, very, very cool stuff. Not about this, but about um, the shape of the menorah, the shape of the lines. We'll get there. Um, okay. Well, the shape of the menorah and all its description was so complicated. Moshe Rabbeinu basically told Hashem, I really don't know what to do about it. I think he told him, just take a little whole glob of, yeah. of uh, gold, throw it, and just take it out of the fire, and, and you'll, it, you'll come out the shape that you want it to. Yeah. It came out the perfect shape. Later on, when the base of Beit HaMikdash was, was built, Shlomo Amela created ten more. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. He, 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 he did ten more menorahs, but that wasn't the menorah. But you know why? He why? Basically, so basically, he made ten more menorahs, and each menorah has uh, seven uh, candles. 
So each one represented a different nation. At that time, there were 72, there were 70 something nations, 72, 70 nations. Or yeah. So 70 nations, 70 languages. Yeah. Each represented different nations. So each one that he lit represented different nations. Mm, That's yeah. why Shlomo Amel created 10 more. Right, 10 times 70. Wow. Interesting. Wow. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. So okay. in other words, at that time, all these nations would come to the Beit HaMikdash and give their sacrifices so we could make sacrifices for them so they would be blessed too. There was a reason why Shlomo Melech did it this way. He wanted to show the whole world that he's trying to unite the world. So therefore, each one that he lights, he's letting that nation know that we keep you in mind. We're praying for you too. The whole wow. point of this was to... to uh, in, in our, our mission in the world as Jews is to unite the world and, and, to be a light and, and, to the world, yeah. and, right to be the light of the world so this is literally lighting lighting exactly. for the world yeah, yeah, yeah. so if you're lighting it in, 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 in this or is like representation right wow that's very very interesting but yeah I just want to say Shlomo it also explains why Shlomo Miller had the, the a thousand concubines well well not concubines but they were supposed there's a reason why he did that. He was trying to release the, uh, gather together all these sparks. The Nitsutsos, yeah. Right. He was trying to do Birurim. Mm -hmm. But uh, we know even the smartest man in the world made mistakes. How much more so everybody else? <laughs> but he wasn't smart, he was wise. Yeah, whatever, the, the wisest, wise. yeah. And the reason why, why I underline that. He's pretty because smart. There's a, because there's a result <laughs> that we read on, on Shabbos. It says, the reputation that is worth more than gold, even purest of gold. And it says that, in the beginning, how does it start? It says Shlomo at his uh, at his wisdom. Why does it say Shlomo Melech at his wisdom? Because at the last days of his life, he lost a lot of his wisdom. That was when he got kicked out of the palace when he gave the uh, prince of darkness his ring. Uh, he kicked him. He was gone for seven years. It's so funny you're mentioning a lot of stuff. That I was going to talk about. Yeah, it's very, oh, very... Sorry, sorry. No, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not saying... I'm not going to mention that whole story. I'm saying this stuff is going to come up. Don't, I'm not... I'm not uh, continue. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so he was gone for a while. And because of that, um, uh, nobody could know who he was. It took him almost seven years to get back into the palace. And people that saw him... They, they look at him. They're like, okay, he kind of resembles him. but I thought he was crazy. He, yeah. The only time they believed him... Is when he came to the Beit Din and, and they looked at him. They're like, "He looks familiar," and he kept on telling them, "This and this is happening. This is not your real king." And then they only got suspicious when he made a passing on his mother. Yeah, he called. He asked. He, he called. He asked a bunch of questions. I just uh -huh, read this. Uh -huh. He basically, first of all, he wasn't being careful about the times when you're allowed to and not allowed to be. And then he tried also the, the mother, uh -huh, uh -huh. Shlomo Melech's mother. And uh, they asked, does he ever take, like, does he ever take off his uh, his shoes? shoes right. He always has socks on or something uh -huh. like that. Uh, always had boots on. Yes, yeah, so some never yeah. Never take off his boots. The only time he takes off his boots is when everybody leaves the room. So that was that was. Yeah, yeah, and then and then he came, and then he came to him with that uh, with the ring, and the second he uh -huh. saw him, he uh -huh. he ran when out. He saw it. That's when he realized that the jig is up. He, yeah, he so just he just disappeared. Yeah. From there on. Shlomo Melech never slept alone. Shishim Giborim Sabah Lomik Right. Yeah, he had so seven, 60. Uh, right, it's 70, I think. That's no, a six, 60. 60. Yeah, Shishim yeah. It says, yeah, he was, from then on he was scared because of... Uh, uh, 70, uh, 60 armed men always surrounded his bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it says armed men. It's not really soldiers. It says... Tamid uh, HaChamim. Right, Tamid HaChamim, right. Because if the bad spirit comes, they know how to fight him. That's why there are people who say that, I mean, we say it by Kriya Shema Shalamita, Shema before bed, right after. We say those words, that, that, that Pasuk three times. As a matter of fact, cut it out afterwards. No, I can't cut it. This is live. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what was he going to say? Oh, we're so curious now. Um, okay, so. Yesterday I had to go to a park. Flushing Meadow Park mm -hmm. to bury some uh, Kameas. Kameas? Really? So I went to this Kabbalist and he told me all these Kameas are no good. You need 
to make it your business to find it and uh, find a public place where you can uh, bury it. Make sure it's uh, nobody's property. I had to go all the way to Flushing Meadow Park on my bike. And you remember yesterday the air was bad because oh you biked in that I air I had to bike all the way there oh my god my chest felt like I, I had something on my chest it felt so heavy I could barely breathe oh man <laughs> but I found a place made a huge hole put them in there and covered it up because it has Hashem's name it has Hashem's name but it was it was made in right. not purely it was made in an impure way Kameas so. are a lot of times if they're not done right they're exactly yeah. so that's what I was told and that's what I had to Okay, yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. By the way, okay, so back to this. The Marshal mm-hmm. writes, this is about the shape of the, of the, of the menorah okay. with the words Lam Natsach and Ginot. He says that David HaMelech had this Mizmor in the shape of a menorah on his shield. Oh, and wow. he went to war with it. Which is very interesting because now people say Magin David, right? The shield of David, right? In, in Hebrew, Star of David is Magin David, Shield of David. That wasn't even on a shield. And originally, that seal, I, I actually, I looked this up yesterday. Nobody even really knows where it comes from. The, Ara- the Arabs call it, I mean, not just the Arabs, also Jews would call it, for, it was called for a while, Seal of Solomon, the Seal of Shlom HaMelech, which is what you're talking about. People, people speculate that maybe that's what was on his ring. And it really, I'm not here to, to talk about what the source is. I, I do believe that it, it originates with, with Judaism because there's a lot, a lot of discussion, people saying where it came from. It seems pretty clear that it originates with Judaism and then it was adopted because it, was, it's, it, it's, it, it signifies something very powerful, Kabbalistically. It's the seven spheros. If you look at the, it has, if you look at the stars, there's six edges, whole white spaces, and then there's one in the middle. That's seven, right? Okay. And the world is created with, with uh, ten spheros, uh-huh. Three of them are uh, the intellect, das, and then there's the seven attri- the seven emotion em- emotions, right? So that's Chesed uh, Vurtiferes, Netzach Yesod, and Malchus. So that's what it symbolizes um, Kabbalistically, and you, and you see it's why you know there's Kabbalistic stuff. But it was also adopted by people in other religions, right? The, the Muslims, they the Seal of Solomon, and they go and you know they, they kind of make it like you know they had it first. But if you if you really it just was hidden. And it now and later on slowly became a symbol of Judaism to the point where even the enemies of the Jews used it, you know, to to identify Jews. I but, heard uh, a different version. I heard a different opinion. Basically, it represented. Was that, but how cool is that that David Hamelach had this on his shield? Of course. Written at, in the shape of an arrow, like like it just shows the greatness of this, you know. Like this was a a school to win in war, you know. Well, this is enlightenment, you know. You wear it on the shield. You enlighten the ones that you are fighting. Oh, so you're saying it's just—it's not even a fight anymore. They're just—they yeah, <laughs> put down their swords. <laughs> Interesting. Sorry, what were you saying? But how many wars we have won without lifting a sword? There were plenty of those. And the perfect example is uh, Sancherev, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, another example By the siege? would okay. be right, right, right. Another example would be Jonathan when he won the what's his name uh, the first battle that he won. They were outnumbered. Who, Yonatan, was Shaul HaMelech's son? Shaul HaMelech's son, right. He was his general. I don't remember so that he battle. he came closer and closer and closer and closer to the uh, uh, Philistines. He came closer and closer and they were, they were all just basically, um, they were in a trance. So they oh, made they other Jews from other cities come and fight against the Jews. So half of their army, or should I say the front of their army, were their own Jews that didn't want to fight against their own fellow brothers. Right. So Jonathan, and I don't recall who he was with, but they came closer and closer and closer, and then they killed the general, the, the king. And then that's it, they won the battle. Right. So nobody nobody split, uh, had to split, uh, spill blood except for Jonathan for winning that war altogether. Wow, 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 wow. I, did, I don't remember that. I have to brush up in my Tanakh. And then, and then all the soldiers, the Philistine soldiers, which were our own brothers that were taken from other cities, they were forced to fight against us. Uh-huh. They said, you're not fighting against uh, our own brothers. Especially if he just killed the biggest general. 
they turned around and started fighting them. And then the Philistines, they were, though they were outnumbering the Jews, they all turned around and ran into the forest. And that's it. That was the first and you could say almost the only great battle that we, we know about that Shaul Amalek won. Shaul Amalek, don't get me wrong. He fought back and, and kept all the enemies at bay. At that time, well, I mean, a lot of first of all, his first act of heroism before he was king was he grabbed Luchash from Goliath right. and ran back. That was right. what get, made him worthy of the king. But that is the reason why he was afraid to face him. Because he already faced him once. When he grabbed Luchot and ran, he wrestled him. So he had to wrestle him, take it, and then run away. Wow. So at first, he ran. He ran away. He looked in the camp and he's like, where's the Luchot? He ran back, picked him up, and then Galiaf wrestled him. He threw him off himself, took the Luchot, and ran back. So that means you imagine how many times he had to, he, twice he had to run back and forth. Right, yeah, yeah. There was, it was an incredible distance too, and it was, Hashem helped him because it was heavy, right? The Luchot were very heavy. What were you saying? What were you saying about the, um, about the, you heard something else about the Magin David? Um, basically, since we came out of Egypt, and Egypt is represented by, by, by uh, pyramids and all of that, and as we know, all the impurities, 12 impurities, I believe it said 12 impurities or, or 7 out of 12 impurities were in Egypt, in the land of Egypt. Okay. So the, the uh, David Amalek's sign, the Star of David, was supposed, it, it, the triangle is looking up. So his triangle is looking down, which means we're going to take down all the impurity in the world. I've never heard that, and that's very interesting. Yeah, I heard that version of it. Well, first of all, let's look. a lot of these things, right, like stories grow around them, and there's a lot of, you know, then myths that start to, you know, come around these things. But this symbol came from somewhere, and it was, it was used a lot with, like, people who were very into power and very into, you know, it's it represents very I mean basically the creation of the world the the powers with which the the world exists right so it represents something very very first of all holy and powerful and what people you know do is a lot of times they'll take something they just want you know why do people learn Kabbalah and all these things people who learn Kabbalah and it, and they weren't on the right level they use it for their own good because it is very powerful but then it became unholy so um, that's why I say like from from what I've looked up it looks like it definitely. Uh, you know, it's a holy thing. But again, it's just a symbol, right? Um, and actually, that's one of the things I believe that I'm, that I'm going to link down here, a short thing. At the end, it's, it's on Chabad.org, and it says basically, like, it's just a symbol, right? You can, you can wear all the symbols in the world. If you don't do action, it doesn't matter. So we have to keep the mitzvahs. We have to do the things that make the world run. We have to bring the light into this world. 100%, of course. Um, so wear your Star of David, but, uh, but do the right things, too. <laughs> um, now... Here's where I want to talk about the um, the menorah that we first first of all the the idea of you know the 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 the, the menorah being the this question is Okay. Sorry about that. All good. Uh, it's... Everyone loves music, right? Uh -huh. So the menorah, um, the, the, the menorah, there's different opinions whether it was rounded, if, the, if, if it was rounded branches, or, or if it was straight. Uh -huh. And you have different people bring different reasons why, and you have... Uh, Maybe Rashi has one opinion, and the Rambam had a, had a drawing on his parish in the Mishnah, and there's a lot of back and forth, and people till today are still arguing. The Rebbe was very, very, very strong in his opinion that it was straight. They were 100 straight going upward. And he says, and there's a different, first of all, the Rambam, there's a drawing, and if there's any doubt, of whether the drawing was just a rough sketch and it didn't really mean it, his son, Rabbi Avram, wrote down that the, he wrote clearly that the menorah is shaped, the branches are shaped like my father drew it, right? Like father drew it, which is in a straight line. 
So the, 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 the opinion of the Rambam is that it was a straight line. And I'm going to also link an article to that so you can read it. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very enlightening. There's some comments there that are also interesting. I commented today. I was looking at it. And I, yeah. But um, the, the, basically, people like to draw um, proof from different sources of, of what it was. There's a, you see in even the, the, what we looked before, the Lam Natseach, that it was rounded. But that doesn't, but there were other menorahs, like you said, Shlomo Melech made menorahs. That doesn't mean that the menorah that was actually in the Mishkan was also rounded. That one, just because some menorahs were made round, doesn't mean that the one of the Mishkan was round. That one, it seems that, especially according to the... Well, in the first Ben Shlomo Melech made exact copies Well, that's that's. I mean, that's not necessary. Is that a fact? I don't know. The Rebbe brings down that it might have might have not been. But even if so, it's not. It's not. It's not. The Rebbe. I, I don't think the Rebbe brought down that that is for sure what. Well, it, it, there's context. Basically, we're going to talk about the menorah on the Ark of Titus. We're going to bring that up right now. But the Rebbe just brought that as an as a possibility. But basically, we're going to see why anybody who brings a proof from the Ark of Titus is definitely wrong. Um, for three different, for, for, well, two very strong reasons. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that down. You know, in, in Chabad, it's very, very strongly accepted that the menorah was straight, uh, straight, straight lines. Okay. Now, the Rebbe brings in the Sicha, he brings this whole thing about the, the uh, Titus, uh, about the Ark of Titus, and we're going to just show some illustrations over here. So here you have the, uh, so once if you want to see also, this is the Ark of Titus. Okay. And on it you'll see that there is, there is a, uh, a picture right. right here. You see that's the menorah. So, uh, and rounded. I'm just, yeah, it's, first of all, it's rounded. But if you look closely, mm -hmm. number one, if you look, well, let's look out for a second. The menorah had three legs coming out. It wasn't a flat base. There was a flat, there was a flat base and there was legs coming out. This doesn't show the legs. Okay. That's number one. Right? And then also, like, all the characteristics. Like, it doesn't show all the different knobs and flowers and whatever it is. And then, here's the kicker. If you look here, you see there's sea dragons okay. on the menorah. That was definitely not on the, the menorah because this is a symbol of a desara. Of course. So, therefore, this, at best... Even if, for, even if, let's say, this drawing was somebody taking a drawing and they took the actual menorah of the Beis HaMikdash, okay. even if that is the case, that this is obviously, in the best case scenario, meaning that this is depicting the actual menorah, it's just an artistic expression. Yeah. Because, because, number one, there's no legs, and especially because there was no... Um, there, 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 there's a Vodazara etched so into it. This was actually made after the Right, but but this was this was Titus's way of showing he had won, and he was him being arrogant about the fact that he had taken the Jewish, you know, the Jewish uh, temple's you know most right, beautiful he things. Went into the house of David and desecrated yeah, the yeah. And there's actually in a different parish. Yeah, next time we get to told us, there's actually something crazy that the Gemara brings that every seventy-one or seventy-two years. They, they actually would do a parade and they would, you know, say like, oh, Ace of One, Yaakov. Like, anyways, we'll go into detail about... Really? Yeah, in Rome, there was, a, there was a whole tradition of what they would do. It's really, like, they're showing that, you know, they won their prowess. But anyway, it's off track. Basically, what, yeah, um, so that's in the best case scenario what it was. But also, it's, the Rebbe says that, that people made menorahs like the menorahs in the Beis Hamikdash, because it was beautiful, and even it's possible that people who served, who worshipped idols, they also made up menorahs for their gods, and which seemed very similar to the ones in the Beis Hamikdash, and that's what this—that's why this would have Avodah etched, right? Sea dragons yeah. etched onto the menorah itself. So that's just a very interesting, you know, uh, thing that the Rebbe brings and it explains why the Ark of Titus at all is, is definitely not a real, uh, true representation of anything in the Beis HaMikdash. And now that we're here, we're talking about the stuff in Rome, I just want to talk about different things that it says about, that 
you know, are in the Vatican right now. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna admit it, but they have the things that belong to the Jewish people there for millennia now. And no, they said it's a proven fact that when the Romans came and they emptied everything out of the Beta Migdash, mm-hmm. there was so much gold mm-hmm. that the whole the price of gold around the world was slashed to half. Wow. That's how much gold was taken out of the Beta Migdash. That's wow, that's incredible. That's a lot of gold. For you're saying, the you're price saying? of gold to go down yeah. across the globe. It became less rare. Fifty percent right. That means they had so much gold. But my question is not this. My question is, you keep on accumulating and accumulating and accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. What's the point? For what? You, you understand where I'm coming from? What is this accumulated for? Let me, let me ask you a question. If I tell you... If I tell you... Now, uh, if I, if I give you... If somebody gives you... A that says if somebody gives you... A king is not supposed to accumulate a lot of gold. A king. A king specifically. But, but let me ask you this. If somebody gives you a million dollars and they say, do you want two million? You want another million? say no, of course. Exactly. There's a rule. Misha Shlimona, it's a Messiah. Whoever has one portion wants get it. another. I get it. It's never so enough. That's it. That's, that's our but nature. Once I reach a hundred million dollars, you offer me another million, I'll tell you, bro, are you joking? Like, what am I going to do with it? I, don't have a, I only have one lifetime to, to live it up. What there's, am I going to do? There's no limit to what you can spend money on. And it doesn't matter. It's just the idea of, at that point, you're just trying to be better than the next person. It's, it's, that's the nature so of people. So it becomes more of a competition than a necessity or, or at well, all. Well, I mean, at that level, sure. The big, well, you think the second biggest billionaire isn't thinking, oh, I want to be the top billionaire? The second richest man in the world is like, I'm only second best. Well, he wants to best the next guy. I can't relate. I, I, I don't think about these things. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's just how it's human nature. I get you know? it. I get it, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, so here we're going to talk about, um, first of all, the author of the Sefer that I draw, big amount of the content um, for, 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 this, for, this, for the Parsha show, is from the Sefer Eitzer Ploy Satera by Zevolf Zichrman. I actually sent him an email today, or a fax, I think. I have a fax asking him uh, if I could use some of his content and translate it on the screen, but he didn't answer me yet, so maybe for whenever I, ever it becomes relevant. But um, You just mentioned his name, which means he gets the mitzvah. I don't see any person who's doing, doing this genuinely for, for the sake of Torah that would have a problem with posting something. No, 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 but it's, but again, definitely when you're taking pictures, if, this is his livelihood, right? If he made a safer, you have to at least get permission, you know, because he makes money off the sales of the book. Oh, oh, you're talking about the book, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Right, because of the time and... Yeah. Okay. I mean, and translating it could be a whole other... I just, whatever, I wanted to make sure Still, I, I'm in the clear. Yeah. This is the front of the safer. It says, like, you know, you're right. This, you have to ask permission, so it's... Uh, but, um... So he says he actually visited, he got a heter because it's not so simple to go visit the, the Ark of Titus. It's a, actually a place that shows the downfall of the Jewish people. But he got a heter to go. And Oh, I heard about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, his face was glowing when he was there. That's the, that's the, I don't know. I have no? no? I have no clue. Oh, okay. He's alive today. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. The, the, I'm not sure. I heard a story. I think it was Iraqi was telling about it, talking about it. How there was one person that um, somebody owed him a big favor or something like that in the Vatican, mm-hmm. and he said, "That's what I want. I want to go and see the the." Uh, the Interesting. Uh, He's, he writes. I don't know if it's him, but he writes that he someone one of the guards there, like he kind of he really liked him. Like he got he he, he found like he says matzah matzah Like he, he saved his daughter or something like that. Something happened. Oh no 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 no! I'm gonna say that story. That's not from today. That oh, this is from the Gemara. Okay, okay. We're gonna mention that. We're gonna mention that. Yeah yeah. yeah. That was that was back in the times of the Gemara. Yeah, you're gonna see. Yeah, it's a very it's a very nice story. No, I'm talking about modern times. Well, you're talking about saving the daughters of Simon Bar Yechai. Time of mission. We're gonna talk about. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It could be two different things. But so he said that he got to go in there. One of the guards, you know, let him in, and he saw a statue of Titus. He was able to see a bunch of stuff in there, but he saw a statue of Titus, who was this, you know, conqueror and who was the one who took down, you know, obviously Hashem allowed him to do it. But and it's, he says that he was the statue of him is a foot and a half. The guy was a midget, oh. or I don't know, like like or, or a cube and a half. He was like very short. He was like less than, let's just say less than three feet, right? 
which means like, and it's very interesting, you see like people conquerors, Napoleon was also very short. Ray, how can you have like this person who was, you know, Roman? Well, he was not so short. Everybody says he was short. He was, he was a shorty. Like five, five. Well, first of all, it's still pretty short. I'm five six. If, I mean, if, um, you're, if you're a general of a huge, that's what I'm saying. Then that's a different okay, story. but this guy was really short. Anyway, he just okay. mentioned it's very interesting that this was so short. But um, now we're just going to talk about different things. This is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, There's a lot of different places that mention what he saw there. One place it says that he saw the Poreches. That was the curtain that separated between the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodesh. And he said that he actually saw blood on it. And the blood was from, because the Kohen Gadol would go in and, and spray the blood. He would, you know, Achas Achas say on Yom Kippur. So that was from that. The miracle of that is the fact that the whole curtain was drenched in, in, in blood. But it never smelled. There oh. were never any flies. Right. Well, in the whole place of Mikdash, there weren't flies. Even course. though they said they were ankle-deep in blood, right? They also said that the, the birds never pooped while they were flying around Beit HaMikdash. Yeah, there were like ten big... In Perky Aves, it mentions uh-huh. the, the, the... As a matter of fact, there's an uh, uh, awesome little fact. You go to the Western Wall nowadays, mm-hmm. there should be a lot of bird poop all over the place. Good luck finding it. That's very interesting. Good luck finding. From now on, you'll pay attention. I will. You will never find bird poop anywhere around the uh, that that whole area, that open area. Yeah. Though there are f- birds all over the place, if you think about it, it should be full of bird poop, like the Vatican. The whole Vatican City is <laughs> full of bird poop. Oh Just man. Remember. Yeah. Just to show you, there's absolutely nothing holy in that place. That's very very interesting. Yeah. That's very very interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna pay attention. Okay. So it says that he saw... Now, how did he see this? This is the story that you're mentioning. I just want to say a few of the things that it says he mentioned there. Um, it says in, um, in Esther Abba, it says that he saw broken pieces from the throne of Shlom HaMalach. Wow. Yeah. And also it says that he saw the tzitz. He saw the, the, the gold plate that went on the forehead of the, of the, of the Kongadol. But how did he get to see these things? So the story goes like this. They made... They made a decree. They made a decree against the Jewish people three things. They have to, that they should work on Shabbos. They wanted to abolish Shabbos. They wanted to abolish Brismila. And they wanted people to stop keeping family purity. So they should be with their wives even when it's not the right time. So they eliminated all the mikvahs in, in the city. They, 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 they made they these decrees. Mm-hmm. So now, I forget the name of, of the rabbi who went first. There was one rabbi who went first and he went undercover. He, made a, he gave himself a haircut. It says like he shaved his hair and he left his hair long. Almost it sounds like a mullet, but except without the hair. I don't know. Very. He basically made his hair like the hair of the of the people who served of the idol worshippers then, and he went and uh, kind of sat amongst the goyim. He went, you know, I don't. He got he somehow got in there and he and he said uh, to the people in charge. I, mean, to the, I guess to the place where they would make the rules. And uh, he said, "Tell me if you have uh, an enemy." You want them to become rich or you want them to become poor? He said, uh, you want an enemy to lose his money. You want it to be poor. So he says, so then, you don't like the Jews. So don't give them a day to work extra that they'll make more money. Let them not work and they'll make less money. It's like, ah, good idea. Right? <laughs> and then he says, and then he said, now, if you have an enemy, do you want them to be strong or, or weak? So he says, weak. So he says, so then why do you want them to not get a brismila? I guess they believed then that, you know, taking over. Oh. So he said, let them, let them give the brismila and they're going to be weaker. Hold on, you, you went to the Israeli army, no? No, I was never there. You never went? So I heard something really, really bizarre. What was that? B- after, yeah? Uh, I'll, I'll remind you. Uh, I'll remind you. Okay? He said, want to be weaker, right? Okay. So, uh, so, so therefore, um, so therefore uh, let them have the brismila. So I said, oh yeah, good idea. And then he said, okay, now do you want your enemies to be more or less? You want less of them? So he says, less. Then they said, less. So he says, okay, so then why are you making them be with their wives more? Let them only be with their wives ten times a month. Fine. So they want, but then they realized, somehow they realized he was a Jew. And so they, 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 they didn't nullify it and they kept the thing. So now they have to figure out who's going to go. So basically, Reb Shimon Bar-Yechai and Reb Elazar Reb Yesi, they, it's the whole story how they chose them to go. And a very interesting story of what happened on the way. But, um, but they went. And there's a, a, a demon, I'm not even going to say the name, I don't, I, don't like, I don't like saying demons' names, whatever, but uh, it was given a certain name. And guys, if you actually, actually, if you check one of the stories, 
uh, one of the more recent stories um, that I that I posted also mentions mentions this this story because it's a story within a story. Anyway, you can go check that out. It's an interesting story of the Baal Shem Tov. But um, the, the, so so they go to the king, and on the way already there was a demon that went into the body of the king's daughter. Oh wow! This is what you mentioned about the king's daughter. And every single hour she was saying, "Bring me Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, bring me Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai." Every hour she'd say, "Every and then they come, and they come, and uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai tells his demon, calls him, and says, "Go out." I'm saying it very short, yeah. And he goes out, and the daughter becomes better. So now. The now the king says, uh, go into my, into my treasury and take whatever you want. So he went, found the document. I wonder how long it took him to find it. They went inside to go and they tore it up. And the decree was done. And that's basically how they, were, they, they nullified that xero. But So in that time, Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Yaisi was able to go and he, was, he, he witnessed, he saw different things from the Bishamikdash in, 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 the, in the treasury. So that's, that's, that's why... You, you know, we see that uh, this, is, this is what happened. But, what am I saying? Sometimes I just space out. This is, this is how Rebbe was able to see all these things because he went into the treasury at that time. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, I, I, please check out the links. There's one I still have to add. But um, this is pretty much what I have on script. Um, I'm just going to have a little bit of a discussion. I also want to just mention... Before we, before we're done, if you're watching, um, well, if you're hearing this, you're watching. I mean, if you're watching live, but also if after, um, please consider. First of all, subscribe. Please, if you're if you're not already, please like. It really helps, and please consider supporting the channel by clicking the link for Patreon. It takes a lot of time to do this, and uh, we take time out every week. It takes effort, and uh, in order to be able to continue doing this, I need your guys' help. So please support whichever way you can. If it's just a like and a subscribe and a share, do that. And if it's and if it's also you know more, then uh, we won't say no. So, um, but anyway, this is uh, we just want to wrap up. Um, what, were you, what were you going to say? You were going to say about the oh Brismila. What were you going to say? The Israeli army. I don't know how much of it is true, but I heard that on an application, you know, like you're a hundred percent person, right? Yeah. Like a so. person that is circumcised is not considered a hundred percent. They yeah. Considered 98%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, it's baloney. How insane is that, though? I don't know why they, they decided to go off that metric. You have to also understand it's it it wasn't built. This country wasn't built by religious people. It was built by secular people. So, but it's Israel. The, okay, but you, you you understand Israel. Unfortunately, you know why do you think there's such a fight for? I mean, we had a six day war for a reason. Didn't we reclaim the land? I, Are we not supposed I'm, to have a beta English of our own? Okay, so this is a good question, you know. Oh, sorry, not that we're Beidin of our own that, that makes his own. So Bar Hashem, well, Bar Hashem, the Beidin, you know, still has 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 influence and, and and power when it comes to certain things. Thank God, you know, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to marriage, you know, all these things, it's very important. But um, but listen, it was founded by people who were not religious, and not only that, some of them were anti-religious, unfortunately. So it's not a surprise. But but uh, and Bar Hashem, they they largely lost, you know, Bar Hashem. You know, Eretz Yisrael is is a place where you can where people are serving God in the in the most beautiful way, but um, you know the strongest communities and and uh, you know we it's a dream to go to Eretz Yisrael. But anyway, um, also if you're if you're losing a, if you're missing a tooth that you know I don't know it's also you know it's like it, it's not it doesn't even mean anything if let's say I have uh, I'm just imagining like imagine like like I got like some of my skin cut off from my elbow which doesn't matter you know it's just or I don't know. Uh, let's say your appendix is removed. It's probably also like you know not now like a certain right, percentage. But they don't Even though, that 100%. yeah. Although although I think like the appendix, they say that they, they some people say they know what it's for. I don't know. Some say they don't know what Nobody the use really is. Knows. I don't know. Anyway, but the point is, if you're missing some tooth that you whatever, also it's it's a percentage. It doesn't really mean much. Oh, but, I remember. Uh, you were talking about Shlomo Millet uh, having a ring. So he had a ring, and then he had also the seal that had Hashem's name on it, the the, the lock, that, right, the chain. Right, right. That, yeah. Chain. So the ring, I wanted to say, I wanted to mention that the ring, uh, Shlomo Melech wore a silver ring. 
for any uh, king to wear a silver ring is, is beneath him. But there's a reason why he, he wore that ring. On the inside of the ring it was inscribed, this too shall pass. Because as a king, he deals with all types of problems. And sometimes you could really, because as a king, he was part of the uh, Beidin. So he would judge people every single day. And of course, there are times when you, you can't finish a case that same day. So a mm. lot of things are going on and uh, a lot are, are on your mind. Gamze Yavor, right? Night, he would look at it and he would remind himself that everything in this world is temporary. Wow. So this too shall pass. Wow. Well, it's, a, it's a very and, special lesson. And the reason why silver is to humble him, to remind him, though he's a king, he's still a person and still a Jew. Wow. I, you know, it's funny. My, I had a friend that mentioned those words to me, Gamze Yavor. I have a friend, we're not so much in touch now, but Yeshiva, he told me this. He was saying that it's like a very, it, it's a word that when you're happy, it's the words, when you're happy, it makes you sad. And when you're sad, it makes you happy. He, he gave me a riddle. He said, what words, when you think of them, it makes you happy? When, you, when you're happy, it makes you sad. And when you're sad, it makes you happy. It's these words. These two shall pass. If, you know, if you're having a, something beautiful in your life and you know it's going to pass, it makes you sad. And if something really, really hard in your life that's happening, you know it's going to pass, it makes you happy. So it's just interesting. I didn't know it originated from Salam Malach. It's very beautiful. Yes. Um, anyway, guys, we're wrapping up. Thank you for joining. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much for watching. Well, I hope you find this uh, informative and entertaining. That's right. And um, uh, please subscribe, um, uh, share with others. It's free. That's right. <laughs> Liking is free too. It's for free. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next time. <laughs>